0: What's that you're drinking? It's that oral argument brand beverage. Nice, nice golden color. Looks like a mature beverage. But, I don't know. The beverage for the mature. Not from my observations of people drinking it, but uh, well, <laughs> yeah, on occasion. Yeah. I don't know. Interesting. I don't know. Um, how are we going to start this thing? My uh, mine
1: hails from Portugal. <laughs> Yours hails from Kentucky, <laughs> is that right? Yes. I don't know. I just pour this stuff. I don't well, Kentucky is the home of many wonderful exemplars of that particular beverage.
0: We got a lot to talk about today, Joe. Or so I'm told. We got a lot to talk about. What do we have to talk about? Well, I, um, you know, it's the end of the term, so this is our first annual Supreme Court roundup show.
1: I heard the capital T in that word term. The way you said it. You said it with a nice capital T. Really? The end of the term. Hmm. Yeah, play the tape. Okay.
0: Um yeah, so this is our first
1: Supreme annual...
2: Court Roundup.
0: <laughs> we should... <laughs> Are we gonna do a morning show? Some... It's the morning zoo! Supreme Court <laughs> Roundup. <laughs> oh man, your levels are your levels are off. We don't care though. Not really. No, this is this is this is uh oral argument after dark. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Oh, does that, mean, does that mean I get to swear? No, no, no. Oh. It's still a family show. Crap. But it's, you know, this is the one you record. You know, it's Quentin time. It's after Quentin time. Quentin time. Pour yourself a beverage. That's right. That's a, Kickback. I think I, I think I said pour yourself a beverage. Pour yourself a beverage. I don't know what I said. Um, well, I, I think regardless of the fact that this is not a normal show, but indeed the first annual Supreme Court roundup, Woo-hoo! in which I plan to round up at least at least one opinion maybe, nice maybe three i have three in mind but okay well that's we can, great we can talk more generally i we don't know can. um
1: yeah, i think there are some interesting trance uh trance case themes trance case themes mm-hmm. themes that run across many cases oh so we should get to some follow-up oh yeah that's the tradition do you have any follow-up i before follow-up i just think we should encourage people because we love getting feedback
0: Oralargumentpodcast uh, oral argument podcast at gmail.com. Oralargumentpodcast podcast at gmail.com. That is true. The um I, I have you seen a paycheck for this show yet, Joe? No. no. Were we expecting one? No. 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 No, we just we do this for fun. We do. The, for love. But, uh, we but, do but, it for love. That's right. Uh, the audience feedback is the fuel. Not of each other, God knows. Audience what? feedback is the fuel. It is. And our audience has been growing. Until this show, it's been growing. <laughs> Until, <laughs>
2: Lincoln
1: said um, that, and I think it's
0: true of the patent system, but it's equally true of this episode, uh, that... Wait, let me let me just pause you. And just for the listeners who are tempted to say this show's going nowhere, I'm angry about stuff. Okay. I'm angry about... And we're going to get to that. All right. Okay, so stick with Please us. don't this be I'm angry saying. about what I'm about to say. And now, now go on with your Abraham the quotation. Lincoln, the only, Abraham Lincoln, the yeah. only
1: patentee, the only person to have received a U.S. patent... And be president. I don't think it was at the same time, but uh, said that the patent system adds the fuel of interest to the fire of genius. Hmm. Uh, and you talked about fuel. And I did sort of fueling mm-hmm. the process, and and as for the fire of genius, I don't know whether we're talking, you know, Sterno tin here <laughs> or. Nuclear reactor or what? I think it depends on the guest. Yeah, it depends on the guest and depends on us and where where we're at. But Joe, who's our guest today? Um, I I think my guest is Christian
0: Turner. Who's your <laughs> guest? Yeah, it is. It's it's Joe today. Oh, it's fabulous. Joe. These are two moderately okay. When guests. the when the podcast kind of winds down, but you know, before the last season, that's when we'll launch the spinoff, Just Joe. <laughs> With like, two, oh my. with like two bubbly J's and kind of a, um, you know the typeface I'm talking about, kind of yes. a bubblicious typeface, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. just Joe and kind of a fanciful kind of script. Yeah. Um, Not Comic Sans. Oh, no, no, I wouldn't do that to you. No, I think that'd be a great spinoff.
1: Mm. Agreed. It's much like this Breaking Bad spinoff, Just Call Saul, which is coming up. So. I,
0: I've never seen that show. A fascinating,
1: not Saul, but Breaking Bad. I've never seen either. Fascinating, troubling, it's disturbing, but fascinating. And people really say. well performs. I understand it's about the drugs, it is about the meth. Hmm. Do we have any feedback, Joe? Uh, we, we did get an email.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> you told <laughs> me we weren't so going to talk about it, so, so I'm not sure. I, you, I thought you wanted to talk about the Twitter. I, <laughs>
0: I think you mean the Facebook. No, the Twitter. You had it. You had yeah. a tweet. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, it's a, it's a, yes, I, there was I do. A tweet get you that, to but talk about. The tweet is kind of related to the somewhat related to the topic today. Great Bridge. I'm trying to do everything seamlessly. We're, nice trying, to segue hide, there. we're trying to hide the the gaping joints and seams that uh, otherwise lie behind. You know, my, I don't know. Okay, the show's going nowhere. Joe. <laughs> I want to declare
1: this. an official metaphor fail on what, what you just said. Why, why is that? Because Gaping joints and cr- I mean, oh my God, what a car wreck! Um, let's just talk about something. <laughs> so
0: we did have one listener left some feedback. Nice uh, listener, Dennis, friend of the show. Oh, absolutely. Um, and and guess guess what? Listener Dennis did in addition to dropping us some feedback. I don't know. Uh, dropping us some feedback is that even a thing? It's got it's a little graphic. Didn't, dropping sounds like something Bill O'Reilly would yell at an intern about. Yeah. Mm. Um, before I wrote all this out, I did give Apple way too much of my information in order to post a five-star rating. That's kind, isn't that nice? It was good of him to do. He went on iTunes,
1: and it's true—you can't. You you do need to give them, you know, to be to have an
0: account to do that. You yeah, but if you to. got an iTunes account, it's an, if you already have one, it's nothing. Go on iTunes. Fair enough. Search for oral argument. You'll find our show there. Yeah. Just hit the five. You don't have to leave a review. No, although you don't. if you if if you do, that's great. It is great. I always you know, that's that's the fuel on which we run. Yes. Um, but if you just hit the five stars, that, that helps people find the show. It helps more people find the show.
1: Right, which is good.
0: Now that's not necessarily the way you listeners should find you know, that's not the way you should be listening to the show. You probably shouldn't be like subscribing in iTunes and downloading on your computer and you all don't that. Have to do that if no, you don't, want don't have to. to do that at all. Uh, you should get yourself a podcast app, search for Orlando Argument, you'll find us, hit subscribe, boom. And that's how, um, judging from our stats, almost all of our listeners, you know, get the show that way. Really? Oh yeah, yeah. We, you know, as, sh- as soon as one of these shows drops, it's like boom, get a bunch of downloads. Nice, and then and then they continue to filter in over the week from people finding it other, other ways. So, yeah. um, Dennis also writes to uh, to to talk about our textbook episode. Yeah, and um, and, and he thinks actually the the problem of I think we'd mentioned there about publishers not trusting students. You know, uh, that that was one of the this. You know, implicit yeah, implicit lack of trust. To, especially in the e book you really see
1: this in the ebook segment where basic books are basically sold broken, where there's all this crazy DRM and you can't print more than a page a day or some such nonsense like that. So Yeah. It's, a
0: yeah. It's, you know, fundamental lack of trust shown by the seller to the buyer. Yeah, you're just worried that everybody is gonna steal the book or that enough people will steal it and enough people will make use of it so that you right. won't make your money and you know yeah. it's like designing your whole product around the few around the small number of people, you hope. Maybe, maybe they think it's a right. large number who, who will try to cheat you. Uh, and he, he thinks this is not constrained to uh, publishers, but, you know, he says standardized tests. He says have become more and more complex to catch a small number of cheaters. mm Right? I mean, think of all the things you have to do. This is a, another example of, and there was a Saturday, there was a, uh, Saturday Night Live skit about this a few years ago. Really? And by a few, I mean maybe 30, <laughs> you know, maybe 20, I don't remember exactly, uh, of people who ruined it for the rest of us. mm Featuring, I think, a guy who just made an absolute mess in a, like, gas station bathroom. <laughs> and now everybody's got to get the gross key with the right. wooden, you know, oh, handle and everything. That huge handle. Oh. What, do you even, do you touch that? It's, How do you deal with it's that? It's a quandary. The whole thing is a quandary. If you have to get a key with that huge handle. Don't you think a huge handle is kind of grosser than a small handle, in a way? Mm.
1: No, I think they want to make sure they don't lose it. They want to make oh. sure that it doesn't get dropped oh. into something strange. Oh, absolutely. I, I get so, why. I get why this is just yeah So it's not.
0: It's not weirder or grosser. I didn't than say smoke. weird. No, 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 no. I mean, in terms of like wanting to wash your hands after you touch the thing. Yeah. Like somehow, even though the the bigger thing would dis- you would think would distribute the germs. No, it, no. There's just more to get germy.
2: Yeah, but you're I don't t- think it distributes. You're touching the-
0: whatever you
1: touch, though, Joe. Right, but there's so much more accumulated on the large object. It's <sighs> just teeming to the nth degree with
0: stuff. Oh, and you think stuff just kind of growing on there? There's more space. Oh, yeah. I mean, you've got a- the
1: Amazon of of Amazon forest <laughs> of of hell on there. So what do you do? Do you do you, like I just try to bl- have a blackout during the entire thing? Yeah, yeah. I don't remember it. Probably a good thing. So, so How
0: unfair to Dennis that we're talking about washrooms like that. He,
1: <laughs> well, didn't, he didn't write a it toss about that.
0: You know, the other one in the skit was like the, the, the one guy who put a razor blade in an apple at Halloween. Yeah. Talk about ruining stuff. Yeah. Ruin now it. you can't give an apple. No, you can't give an apple. Because someone will just throw it away. Yeah. You and can't he, have that. Every, if you give an apple at Halloween, it's like he's probably a creeper. Yeah. A yeah. murderer. Yeah. it's People who ruined it for the rest of us. Um I think publishers have followed the logic that college and professional students are not really adults and thus not really trustworthy. Yeah. Do you agree with that or not?
1: Oh, I I agree that there are manifestations that there are behaviors that are consistent with that hypothesis. And it is unfortunate because I think a, a better result can obtain when you tell law students, for example, uh, and I'm sure it's true of other professional schools, um, as I would on the day they arrive, you're lawyers right now. This is it. You are lawyers. You're here. You're lawyers now. You haven't finished doing your studies yet. You don't have your professional bar license yet, but you're lawyers. You're here. So your professional life, everything that goes into being a
0: professional, is applicable now. I get that. I'm sympathetic to that. On the other hand, you know I couldn't disagree more strongly with that. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're you. This is just life,
1: you know. That's why is that a disagreement? They they are themselves, but they are also now uh, have to meet a uh, have to live to a set of expectations about professional behavior and and including self expectations, and that has to start sometime. It might as well be the day they arrive at law school, mm. so that they are more conscious of their behavior, so that they're holding themselves to a higher standard. Not that that means they won't make mistakes. God knows, I make plenty, even now, of course, <laughs> yeah. I'm a human being, yeah, but I agree to come hold- onto this podcast, yeah. yeah, but you need to hold yourself to that standard, and, and that means I need to I, as someone who's interacting with you, need to trust and respect you as a professional.
0: Yeah, I just don't think that's much different than as a person. You know what I mean? I, I-
1: agree that it, there's a huge overlap in the Venn diagram. Absolutely. But there are even greater expectations that I think that relate to being a legal professional. And, and I don't
0: think we want to get into all that. Yeah, yeah. Right this now. is a different show. This is a different Correct, show. And I, I would say different, not, you know, okay. We're going to let's. Um, uh, uh, and let's, so one of the things, for example,
1: that you would expect a person who's a legal professional mm-hmm, not to do mm-hmm. is to engage in wildly wholesale copyright infringement. Right? Because that's, uh, that's unlawful. Yeah. and it, And so you would expect a person to have some measure and some sense of propriety and uh and so selling them a book that's broken because you think they're about to start an illegal enterprise in competition with you yeah.
0: is bizarre. yeah, one more thing uh, as for the podcast, Dennis goes on, oh, I suggest going the route of and he mentions a couple of other. Uh, enterprises mm. in the law, yeah, uh, not not in the same medium we are, but uh, and and getting one of those sweet publisher endorsement deals. Whoa! So De- listener Dennis is thinking about how to monetize this baby. I love it. Someone needs to. <laughs> uh, uh, if we do. I I think you can send money to any email address, right? <laughs> can with you? do squ- really? it with Square Cash. Are you kidding? I think you can. With what about with PayPal? Oh, I don't know. No? No. Oh, yeah. Oh, Absolutely. <laughs> what am I saying? Yeah. Yeah, what? <laughs> Oral <laughs> argument, <laughs> podcast at gmail.com. <laughs> However you find a way to send money, except uh, maybe not one of those scam things. Do so, we have a... Do we have what?
1: Do we even have... Well, that's a discussion for another time.
0: Okay. let's let's As as they say in, in Corpse Orations, let's put a pen in that. Let's put a pen in that. Yes. Let's put a pen in it. Yeah. Is that what they say?
1: We might need to write something later.
0: So put a pen in it. <laughs> I think they mean pen. You know, like putting on a bulletin board. Oh, put a yeah. pin in it. And you know then what I said, I didn't say pen. I said pin.
1: Yeah, but you you spent a lot of time in Texas.
0: No, and in Texas, I spent six years in Texas. You spent a lot of time in spent Texas. A lot of time in Texas.
1: Spent a lot of time in Texas, and in Texas, I spent as sp- much time in
0: Connecticut as I did in Texas.
1: But in Texas, it's hard to tell the difference between the word pin and pen. How, is that based on your long experience in Texas? No, it's based on my um, comprehensive understanding
0: of American accents. This show is going nowhere, Joe. Is that where we are? That's where we, that's where we are. All right. Uh, I've got uh, one more piece of uh, follow-up. A tweet. Which is, uh, I, I've been promising to get to for a few weeks now, but this is going to bridge into one of our topics for today, which is, of course, the Hobby Lobby case. Mm. Um Yeah. Really, really excited to talk about that one, aren't aren't you, Joe? I am. There's a great deal. I, I, I excited. Can you tell quite. everything in the show is slower? Maybe because we're drinking a different kind of beverage. <laughs> <laughs> so this true. may be the one show where I will say it's okay for the listeners to listen at 1.1x. Yeah. You think 10 enough? I'm
1: not. Uh, I'm not. I don't think excited oh. is the right word to uh, express. Oh, I know. I, I know what you mean. I know the word. Then how I feel about talking about Hobby Lobby. Excite, like Borat says it. But there's uh, there's a lot to talk about there because it's yeah there is so <coughs> it's complex.
0: Yes, uh, C S Baker on Twitter. Nice listener, C S Baker. Uh, harkens back to uh, the episode we did with Nathan Chapman about the Town of Greece case. Ah. this is the one—the legislative prayer case where right. the, the court said, ah, "No big whoop, just if you don't like it, go outside."
1: Yeah, a sharply divided court. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Has and to say. Um, much like Hobby Lobby,
0: and it, and and at some point during that show. I guess I was pontificating on why maybe this was the one with Dalia, actually. I don't remember, we, but at some point we were trying to you know we were thinking about maybe it was with Dahlia now that I think about it. anyway, uh, wh- what is it about the the guns and religion mm. thing that kind of goes together? Yeah, that was a Dalia that episode, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. was Dalia. Yeah. At the time, I, I think I was thinking back to the town of Greece case, but anyway, yeah. um, and, yep. he sa- and he says, didn't your uh, discussion ignore?" Uh, and I think he's writing from a religious perspective, and he's. any he, I think maybe uh, I don't want to read too much into it, but maybe he felt a little bit excluded by that talk. And you know, I didn't mean to sound really imperial about this connection between guns and religion and what yeah. these. But but he says, didn't your discussion ignore the long history of religious pacifism, especially Chris, uh, Christian pacifism? Um, and that's you know I think he's pointing to the diversity of religious traditions, which are so often kind of lumped together. Right, and I was making very general statements in that show, and I in, think I, at the time I did flag that I was, you know, I was over-generalizing. And in part because yeah.
1: we were talking about uh, a con- an issue in contemporary American culture with the use of prayers, opening prayers at legislative sessions and town councils, right. and the context in which those might occur. And I think it's not untoward to say that in contemporary American culture, sort of mainline the mainline Christian denominations that you're likely to encounter, it's not
0: a Quaker friends meeting. Well, okay. So now I don't remember my memory of this and and my memory is, is, is terrible, but my memory of it is that the, the point was, I hope generally along the lines of, um, fear motivating both of these different reactions, these kinds of, uh, the town fear, of, a fear of cultural change. A fear of change and wanting to hold on to something. And that was clearly, I think, an issue in the town of Greece case, right? Yes. We have a particular politician there who said, we, you know what? We need to start praying at the beginning. Why do we need to pray? To say who we are, to constitute who we are, to distinguish right. ourselves from what I'm afraid that we're becoming. Yeah. So too, and this isn't a point about... So too with the open carry demonstrations. Yes. That and was and the it's connection. Not a point, and them. it's not yeah.
1: a point about either religion or um, owning a firearm,
0: it's a statement about a cultural change. Yeah. And And that's manifested in many different ways. And I think what I meant to say, and you know, and, and the listeners can correct me if I'm not remembering a particular passage or discussion or, or one of the many wrong things that I've said, but, uh, the, the point was not to characterize religion in America, but to characterize a particular kind of religious motivation to engage in, um, kind of public demonstration of faith. Right. Uh, and I wouldn't, even, official
1: channels. I wouldn't even call it a religious motivation because I think it, again it's something that's right. manifested
0: in many different ways. Right, religion's fear, fear one of them. Right, right, right. And, and of course, there are many. So there are many, and I think he points to to one like this: uh, uh, people who are kind of comfortable in a kind of uh, I won't say quiet religiosity because no one's telling people they have to be quiet with their religions. Right, you can be as evangelical as you want to be. Uh, you can be as open as you want to be about your religious faith or about your enthusiasm about guns, or whatever else, you know, and I don't mean to pair those two together, it's just that they came up because we were talking both about Town of Greece and about these open carry demonstrations, right? right? which have been happening a lot lately. And uh, um, uh, so, so you know, um, this, you know, whether it's pacifism or or any other kind of, you know, style of religiosity, um, I was talking, and I think about a particular... Like I said, a particular manifestation of a fear about that characteristic, right? The fear that this thing which is very important to me, my religion, is being lost. And I need to do everything I can to make sure that my immediate culture, right, embraces this thing which has been very important to me. Mm -hmm. And so I will use what channels I can to to accomplish that.
1: Um, Yes. And, And some of those channels, in a given place and time, depending on the issue... Some of those channels involve the formal levers of power. Some of them don't. So, for right. example, you could tell a a similar, in some ways, a similar story about all the yeah. moral Monday protests going on yeah. in North Carolina. Right, right, right. Yeah. But those are people protesting who lack the levers of power right now. Right. But who are concerned about change in their state and the values that that those changes indicate. So. Well, they
0: want to say things which they believe constitute the republic for them, right? I mean, they are saying of course. Kind of constitutional things. Yes. In the sense, this is who we are. right? You know, that's why Moral Monday carries such a, it's such a laden term, right? Is. This is the These are the protests in North Carolina, right. which have a religious component, but also a, a secular moral component uh, uh, reacting against... Uh, and, you know, and
1: on specific issues
0: of governance. Right. Which which are manifestations of a more general principle, I think, right? Um, this uh, a more general principle of a morality and solidarity, yeah, right, which they see as under threat, and contrary to, um, contrary to many people's kind of interpretation of, of North Carolina and the rest of the South as being, you know, very conservatari- conservative, and and, and individualistic. Uh, that we have always been together as a people, and we're losing that, and we need to. Do- so uh, uh, that is, like you said, it's very uh, constitutional unlike- talk. It's saying this is who we are. Right. But the but unlike the reason town that's of Greece, okay, where yeah. the, unlike
1: town of Greece, where it's a formal practice instituted by a town council at the beginning of its formal meetings. So this is, that's very much a a, a a practice by people with power of a certain type, yeah, as opposed to the protest participants at a Moral Monday rally who are in a different relationship with formally established government right. power at like, that well, moment.
0: Well, you know, frankly, like a sidewalk preacher or something but like both that. Of no saying that's anything- both
1: of them are giving voice, in, in your hypothesis, both of them are giving voice out of a sense of concern
0: for change. That's right. That's right. Th- th- that, motivates, uh, that motivates both. Um, would you, though, privilege the Moral Monday-type talk in a governmental sphere right so the problem in the town of greece case i think for you and for me was the use of religious talk upon which we don't expect citizens to agree in fact the very foundation of the republic is that they will disagree about these things and that's okay right <laughs> uh, <laughs> right but, and we,
1: and, in fe- and we ought to do something to try to channel the energy of the disagreement away from destroying the republic itself right Right,
0: and, yes. and so, so we don't privilege that kind of talk in no. a in a in a public setting. At most, we tolerate it as an you know acknowledgement of roots or whatever you know right. depending on the court's use of these terms. But moral Monday talk is a little bit different, right? Because it's political talk. You know, it's here yeah. here a set of values, you know, as to which from any of a number of different religious or non-religious traditions, we might agree. And this is, this is who constitutes it. So is there a range of kind of moralistic talk about which we think that people could speak publicly at meetings and have it be the official message of the state that say, this is who we are, right? Because that, that was the problem in town of Greece, at least for you and for me, and I think for uh, Judge Calabrese, uh, um, right? That um, uh, using, saying we are a Christian nation or we are a Christian town, is talk which is kind of meant to exclude based on religious identification.
2: Right. Whereas,
0: you know, we are a giving people. We are a people who care for one another. We are a people who believe in gender equality. We are a people who believe in gay rights. We are a people who believe in freedom of expression for... Everyone from you know libertarians to uh people who believe strongly in kind of solidarity you know we we are an inclusive people who accommodate all views. however, here are some core beliefs that we now have that you can do can't you and that is that's part of the you know i know we're I'm pushing the conversation in a slightly different direction than when we started it, but that's part of the fear of the uh, uh, of the uh, of the uh kind of religiously motivated speakers right that they feel discriminated against because We can identify with that Moral Monday, we're just using that as an example now, talk, but we can't do it with religious talk. And I think there's a very good reason why, you know, uh, statements of values which come from a multiplicity of religious traditions or non-religious traditions is an okay way to self-identify, but maybe uh, purely religious speech is not. Especially Am I making any sense, or is this, the, are, or is no, this the oral argument beverage talking?
1: About? Yeah, it, no, I think it makes sense, uh, and I and I think that whether or not we believed that there were an important distinction to be made in some, uh, you know, metaphysical sense between uh, speech that appears to be the state itself speaking, and speech that does not appear to be the state itself speaking, the Constitution does indicate that we are supposed to take that difference seriously. And that also separates Moral Mondays from the town
0: of Greece against Galloway case. That yeah, I'm just you, I'm you, pushing on that idea of what the Constitution says because I understand there's kind of, there's a whole originalist disagreement about what the Establishment Clause was originally meant to do, and, I, and we don't need to get into it, but No, and I'm not is, inviting like, us to get yeah, into it. Yeah, I'm just it. more interested in, like, what it should say, like, uh, but so, but you're, it, it yeah. connects to this question of
1: inclusion versus exclusion right? and why you might be concerned about the state using religious faith and discussions of religious principles as a basis on which to exclude people from the polity. If you believe that pluralism is an inevitable fact and you believe that insisting on the absence of pluralism will lead to sectarian violence— then what you want the state to do or not do in speaking in a religious values register is pretty significant question right yeah so i'm not trying to insist on a formalistic set of lines i'm just saying i think there's a sort of a theory behind these constitutional
0: formal constitutional requirements right yeah i mean to speak in To speak in moralistic terms does not say, you are not welcome here, pagan or Episcopalian or whatever else, right? Right. To have an Episcopalian prayer carries an implicit, exclusive message, depending on the particular form of that prayer, obviously. Right. Right. Uh, So, and, and you might want that kind of distinction to be constitutionally salient. Right, You might want a constitution that says, government, you can do one, but not the other.
1: And you might even think we have one already.
0: Yes. Yeah, I mean, I'm just trying to put that to one side because I think it's a separate argument. Okay. You agree with that? Yes. I agree you are trying to put it to one side. <laughs> do you agree in principle one could put it to one side, Joe? Sure. Okay. Okay, let's assume it's done. Hobby this Lobby. This was a segue ha- to something. I, uh, well, How is was se- this a segue to something? Because the inverse problem is Hobby Lobby. Mm. right the inverse problem is Hobby Lobby um, now you're familiar with the Lobby of Hobbies is that right Joe <laughs> the what the glitter foyer <laughs> uh, have you been in a Hobby Lobby before no okay I've driven by one many times if we had thought more we, we should have recorded this in the Hobby Lobby oh. parking lot
1: <laughs> I conducted
0: think... some interviews inside I don't yeah. Oh, that would be a good show no, I don't think so do some interviews
1: I don't think we have the professional training to handle that well i think we could use some journalism training to do that well i'm not i'm not as
0: you know i'm not opposed to doing things poorly uh, i'm <laughs> really familiar with that <laughs> um uh so so we the the cases i thought about talking about uh, what are we doing today well this is the supreme are we going court, to this talk is, about some this cases our, <laughs> from the supreme court term this is our supreme court roundup show yeah and by my count, let's see, we are four hours and two minutes into it. Yeah, right now. That so, phrase "roundup." I don't think it means what you think it means. No. It what are we talking about? Well, I, I, there are a few cases which came down at the end of the term. Yeah. And I thought, you know, maybe every year we should have a show where we kind of relax and we just kind of take a look back on the wonderful year <laughs> yeah. that was the Supreme Court's October term for year X. Sure. Um, and we look back on that whole year by talking about maybe the two most recent cases. <laughs> um, that's funny. So, uh, for me, that was so maybe the Noel Canning case, mm. which is the case about recess appointments, which, which we had talked a whole, about before. We had a whole show about it. I'm sure people have been clamoring for more on yeah. That's in the back catalog. That's in the back catalog. I, the number of people who come up to me when I'm shopping in Hobby Lobby and say, "Can you please, please talk more about?" Recess appointments in the Noel Cannon case is mm. just, it gets annoying after a while. Sure. Um, which is why I wear sunglasses in public. So we're not going to talk about it now, are we? I We could. The um. other case is the uh, abortion uh, clinic buffer zone case, uh, in which the Supreme Court decided uh, that the Massachusetts law establishing a was a 35-foot buffer zone around abortion clinics. Right. Um, that protesters needed to, you know, get, get, give a give a certain wide berth to people trying to go in and out of clinics uh, was yeah. unconstitutional, but on interesting kind of, of, of grounds. In the and, McCullen case. Uh, is that the name of it? I think so, yeah. <clears throat> okay. Yeah, I, I don't remember these names. McCullen against Coakley, maybe? Something Coakley, like is, Coakley is one of the parties. I just didn't remember the other party. Um, and then, of course, there's the Hobby Lobby case. Yeah. Well, let's start with Hobby Lobby, because we may not finish with anything else. <laughs> But in fact, yeah, the rate we're going, I, should we just end the show right now i'm I'm sorely tempted okay uh i'm eating I'm eating another drink Joe, okay, let me set this thing up though yeah okay. i don't, I don't know if you've seen this have you uh, if you've been on uh the interwebs mm. and you have uh there there's there's a lot of anger, there about is. this case there is um there's a lot of kind of head-shaking, why are people angry about this case? Mm. There is a lot of, um, oh my God, a bunch of stupid people who don't understand the case are angry about it going on right now. Yeah, there's probably some of that. Um, there's a lot of, uh, oh my God, people don't see the implications of this case for the future yep. going on right now. Right. So there there are a lot of different views out there. And, and what I've encountered on, on, on the Facebook... Mm. Are you on the Facebook, John? I am on the okay. Facebook. I actually like the Facebook. Yeah, I... I that's a that's a different I, I like I like the Are you trying to it, get me to talk about this?
1: No, I, I just have, like... Have, yeah. I like the role that it has played for me in my life. I don't... I the Facebook does a lot of things I don't care for, but I like the role that it has played. I like the niche that it has filled for me. But we're not talking about Facebook. You're going to talk about... You like Bobby it when Bobby. people
0: try to make you sad. I don't like the experience. Like
1: I said, there are things I don't like, but mm-hmm. I like the overall... I
0: feel like I'm a net beneficiary of the Facebook Well, process. on the Facebook, and we, we can come back to this... Um, uh, on On the Facebook thank you darcy a, a lot of i 've seen a lot of opinions about this and and some of them are i don 't want to say ill informed because not everybody follows all the aspects of these doctrines. Right. Why should they right I mean people were busy they do other things right uh, and so i think it's it 's a complicated enough case where um, the details matter a little bit. They do matter. The first thing, I think... Although I think the court's rhetoric is, the majority's rhetoric,
1: is clearly not just about the details. No, it's very broad. It's very broad. They they want people to get yeah. um, both sides, both the majority and the dissent, seem to want people to draw much larger lessons or much larger uh, inferences from the case itself. I think, first of all, it's not a constitutional case. That's very important. Although it talks about about principles we think of as
0: constitutional principles, right? But but for a statute, but for a statute, uh, Hobby Lobby would have no claim under current Supreme Court doctrine. That's that's a related fair point. to the. So, so you know, you might conceive of Hobby Lobby's claim as being grounded in the freedom to exercise one's religion, right? That, so they have a a belief uh, against. Certain forms of contraception that they believe cause abortion, and they don't believe the government should force them to pay for such contraception. And that, and the government forcing them to pay for that is uh, an interference with their exercise of their religion, and therefore a violation of the Constitution. But that is not so. The Supreme Court <laughs> is very clear about that. Uh, uh, ever since um, Employment Division employment against, division
1: against Smith. What's, Smith, what's painful about this? Is there are many things that are painful about it, but it's one thing that's painful about it is that I, I think we've already been hopelessly sloppy in talking about
0: what's going on because what so you object to my characterization? Yeah, because what, I'm trying to start at the top level. We're going to get in more I know, but, you,
1: but your top level is just awful because oh what it's because it, you so <laughs> so what what we're talking about here are um, the the fact that people most people get health insurance through their employers. They get they they purchase health insurance, they pay, their employer pays both together, so the employee gets health insurance through their employer as an employment benefit. As a benefit of working there. Yes. And in that context, the Department of Health and Human Services, under the auspices of the statute, has said Obamacare. The Obamacare Statute. The Affordable Care Act has says that Thank you, Darcy. The minimum, the policies that people buy in this way, uh, where both the employee and the employer are putting money in the pot, have to meet certain standards for what they cover and what they don't as basic coverage yeah. of, of a health insurance product. Yeah. And so one of the preventive care requirements that needs to be covered without co-payment by the employee when because they go the to the statute
0: doc, Because the statute specifically mentions preventative care for women.
1: Yes, women being half of the people who are. But the
0: statute, the thing passed by Congress, doesn't say contraception. No. It says women's preventative care or some words along those lines. And And then the implementing agency has done what you're about to describe.
1: Right, because the Institute of Medicine, under the auspices of this effort to to describe what is uh, appropriate as basic preventive care, includes reproductive health care and family planning... Which has very obvious impacts on women 's health uh, is part and parcel of that basic preventive care package, so in the same way that you would say annual checkups for people same way that you would say you know uh, being up on your vaccines that 's a basic part of preventive care uh, all these things it, that includes reproductive health care and meaning family planning and related things so yeah. so that package of that's a minimum standard for what's an appropriate insurance product for employers and employees to be jointly together paying for as part of that employee benefit. So that's what they're objecting to. Yes. The employers are saying, I don't want to be in a system where the, I can't get a product, an insurance product. Right. That has that as a benefit. Yeah.
0: Boy, I, I,
1: You've so it saying I don't want to have to buy people the pill and hand it out like candy at the counter. Well, that's not what you're being asked to do. I agree. Kay? You're being you're in a context where you have decided to provide
0: an employee benefit, and by the way, you can decide not to. You have to. Right. I I I, I didn't think that you were going to set this up worse than I did, but you managed. <laughs> <laughs> It, it, it's a I, very hard case to talk about because yeah, it's so complex. But no, but it isn't that complex. Look, I mean, this is just another ah. Oh, this case is—it's so infuriating. Law is not very hard. It just isn't. How, what's? Oh, I'm getting irritated. John. I don't. See I'm not how, irritated with you. I don't
1: see how you can say it's not complex. We're talking about a complex set of relationships between. Right a government that sets standards for minimum acceptable coverage, a private market that provides insurance products that comply with that acceptable minimum employers who decide they would like to offer health insurance coverage as an employee benefit to attract employees to their company employees who enjoy having that as one of the benefits of employment and therefore seek those jobs. This is something by the way, that dates back to the depression era when wage controls, motivated I, I, companies to yes, seek ways to provide true. additional employee right. benefits so you know this it's you're talking about five or
0: six different participants right what i'm saying process. is right that i i agree and and i think that the the fact that the employer is not directly causing in a proximal sense an abortion right is uh is wow. definitely important right that 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 is that's an important fact here uh but <laughs> Oh my goodness. That is you agree that's an important fact.
1: I do, on anyone's understanding of the facts. Okay.
0: Okay. We're making progress now. A little. <laughs> but I think that the 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 employer's objection can be simply stated as I don't want to buy an insurance product which makes available certain forms of health care that I have a religious objection to or, more properly stated, to which I have a religious objection. Yes, I don't want to... Uh, is that the, yes, you're glad I didn't end with a preposition, or yes, you're... <laughs> uh,
1: yes, I think you almost have it right. Okay. I don't I don't want to be one of the two people who pays for. Yeah, right. I, th- I think it is not trivial that we're talking about an earned benefit that the employee both earns by working there and helps pay for. Fine. And I think losing Fine. sight of the employee's role
0: in that yes. is
1: one of the many ways I, in which one can I, go completely off the rails I, I, in their I,
0: understanding of this case. We don't disagree about that. We don't disagree. But and let's, yet the look I'm getting. Oh, my God. So let's... You know, here's another hypothetical. All right? Suppose that the law required the insurance to cover... Um, gay conversion therapy for one's minor children. And, and just so listeners understand what
1: you might have been referring to, (laughs) you're talking about a therapy that's designed to take a young person who says he or she has a gay sexual orientation and convert them back into a heterosexual sexual orientation, correct? Right. That's right, because it could go either way. So what you meant was
0: anti-gay conversion therapy. You want to convert someone against being gay and into being heterosexual. Yeah, the people who do this, you know, they're crazy. So I don't know what they call it, but I've heard it called gray, not gray conversion therapy. I think that's something else. Gay conversion (laughs) therapy. I need to get another drink, Joe. Okay. Um, So you want to put a pause here or something? No, no. No, I got to keep going. Okay. I got to keep going. You got to build up head of steam. Um, so, so I, the that- at least, at least you could imagine. Can you not imagine? <laughs> so can, can, I know I, you. know, I know, I know. <laughs> it's frustrating. Can you imagine what my wife floats with every day? No. Yeah, it's horrible. Um, I was hoping she would come in. Her her expertise is actually relevant to a portion of this is, case. But uh, uh, and, all right. So, so and, uh, an employer doesn't want to do what? Yeah. Suppose suppose an employ- Suppose the statute did include a mandate to provide an insurance package for employers, which included which included or covered gay conversion therapy for one's members of one's family. Or as you say, anti-gay conversion therapy. Anyway, the stuff that turns gay people on gay, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, I think we can agree that would be an abhorrent thing if someone actually chose to do it. This is not, in other words, our oral argument today is not going to be about the merits of gay conversion therapy. Correct. Okay. So, uh, that may be a, a, a help. I think it's always best in these cases to kind of, you know, if it's not already in a sympathetic mold, translate the legal problem into one which for which you feel the most sympathy, right, for the person to making the claim that you may most disagree with. You know what I mean? I do. Okay. So um, the claim here is regardless of whether the person chooses that option or not, it. You have a deep moral objection not to making enough. available. Not good enough yet. I, I know, because I, I, I didn't say religious, but I'm Correct. not going to say that yet. Okay, so because I, I just want to carry us along to a certain place. Okay, so I, I think you and I would have a deep moral objection to purchasing such a product out of the fear that it might be used by somebody. Right?
1: Yes. Okay. I, I, I wouldn't want, <laughs> uh, yes, I think an insurance product that includes coverage without copays for something that is not actually medical treatment, but is instead crankery and quackery and nonsense, any more
0: than I would want people to be covering, you know, leeches. Yeah, well, no, it's worse than that. And beating people for humor. It's worse than that because the, the, there are all kinds of treatments that people can get with standard health care insurance, which are about which maybe even scientists disagree a little bit. I mean, uh um you know, there are various kinds of care that are often covered in these things that we might think might not be effective. But, right, but- this is this goes beyond because some are. I think at least my moral objection I won't speak for you. You speak for you, but I'll speak for me. My moral objection to providing or paying for that coverage is that someone who receives that coverage might use it to hurt someone else well if they use it at all they're using it to hurt someone exactly because well, it's or, an or inherently hurtful thing they're not maybe not because using it because it's a it, bunch of crank right. or nonsense u- well maybe not using it for the purpose of hurting someone no, not they're the using conscious it and the effect of it will be to hurt someone correct they're using right. it and it hurts somebody and it hurts it somebody you can't fail to hurt somebody right.
1: because it's a bunch of crank or right. nonsense
0: so y- which hurts people okay so which is
1: why it's been prohibited in the state of california
0: so, I think you can see, then, that as an employer, whether someone, you know, whether you're buying an insurance package which covers something or paying for it directly, your sense of responsibility for the moral harm can nonetheless be highly salient. Sure. Right? Okay. I I think that's important, because I think, uh, it is. Important. I, I still, I don't think it's decisive in this case in any way, um, because I think the... The statutory issues and other issues, or which we're going to talk about in a second, are are paramount. But I do think it's important to recognize that it is possible that people have very strong religious beliefs in this case uh, that make them feel they're doing. I'm not equivalent. No, <laughs> I don't have those same beliefs. Right. Right. But uh, you I, never I, you
1: wouldn't have gotten an argument for me at all. Maybe you thought you would, but you wouldn't have gotten an argument for me at all about the fact that that's that that is the state of affairs. For some of the people who would make such claims under the statute that they have these that they have such beliefs right and just I, to be clear I'm, and, and, and I'm, I'm not trying to any- have no trouble imagining beliefs I would have that would be equally
0: but I'm but also, oppositely disposed. Yeah and I'm not drawing a moral equivalence between these things you understand. I, I'm I'm I, I'm making an analogy, right? Right, but it's not. Uh, if we were actually debating whether whether these kinds of contraceptives are equivalent to gay conversion therapy, I would have a lot to say about that, right? But that's not what we're talking about. Okay, I'm just bringing it up to point out that uh, buying a package of coverage that other people can use can be highly morally salient for the person who buys that package. Yes, right? no. That's all about, I'm trying to no say. No debate about that. All proposition. I'm trying
1: to say. Of course, one thing we've been assuming in our conversation thus far by this reference to you and using human beings as the people to whom we were referring is that we were talking about sole proprietorships since corporations are separate legal persons in ways that are also is salient, also is non-trivial in this case.
0: Do do you want to talk about the corporate part should we bracket that for just a second? Why bracket it? Why why do you want to bracket it? Well, because I think even if this were an individual... Um, who didn't incorporate. Yep. Uh, this case raises some very troubling issues.
1: It does, although to me, they're, at least, they're intertwined in the sense that the this, this statute of the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, or RIFRA tells us that we need to ask a question about uh, substantial burden.
2: Okay, well... And, and yeah. I think
1: the degree to which a burden is substantial is bound up with the answer to the question who is being burdened
0: well, can we we should or, we, or what is being we burdened? should draw an outline here of what what's going on in this case maybe to dis, maybe so, 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 so do everyone understands so you see why therefore
1: it might it might make a big difference whether yeah. you're talking about a a a human, That's right an individual mm-hmm. human person or a corporate legal
0: person I, I agree whose with that. thing is being burdened. I agree with that. But let's set the stage for that so people understand why this is a statutory and not a constitutional issue. Okay. Okay? So, uh, a long time ago, as in, maybe, I don't know how long ago, when was Sherbert versus Yoder in all these cases, or, or Yoder versus Wisconsin and in this other case, Sherbert versus Werner. I, yeah, know, 650s and 60s type stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, it used to be that, um, uh, I don't, I shouldn't even get into this, because I don't know the area, I don't know the case, it's been forever since I've read these cases, yeah. but, but basically someone raised kind of a free exercise claim, like, this law is burdening my exercise of religion. Like, I don't know. Like requiring all stores to be closed on a Sunday.
1: Right. If in my faith tradition I worship on Saturday, you're cutting me off from two days a week. Now I've got to
0: close on Sunday and Saturday. Right. Now
1: I can't compete with firms that only close one day a week.
0: Yeah. And and the court would say, look, the the state's law is going to compel you to close on Saturday if they can show that their interest in this law, in your case, is compelling and and narrowly tailored to achieving their compelling interest, right? So we call it strict scrutiny, which means... Uh, basically if you 're going to apply a law in a way that hurts people constitutionally, you better have a really darn good reason for that, and the method you 've chosen better hit that darn good reason okay that 's roughly stated yeah uh,
1: without without a, a a pretty good way of achieving basically what you want to achieve without inflicting that kind of harm, yeah
0: because Sup- if that way exists, you need to use that one instead. Supreme Court reverses course in a case involving Native Americans taking peyote. Uh, in a case called Employment Division versus Smith, uh, and Justice Scalia, I think writing for the court, um, says, "You know what? When a law of general applicability, which does not appear to be targeted at a religious group, happens to restrict a lit- religious practice, that's okay, so long as there's some rational basis for the law. Right. We are not going to be in the business of handing out religious eg- exemptions from generally applicable laws."
1: And the reason why there's some, one reason why, there might be more than one, one reason why there's some real wisdom in that is a recognition of the fact that uh, that posture, uh, if it's not targeted at a faith and there seems to be a good basis for the law, we're not going to grant exemptions, right? Right. One thing that lets you not do is start closely questioning the sincerity of the belief the the validity of the
0: religious practice See, none of that matters right because we're not going to grant the exemption because what the court is basically on the lookout for and it found one in another um, animal sacrifice case in another I always forget how to pronounce it like do, you know you know the one I'm talking about yeah we're not going to try <laughs> um, uh, the Hialeah case yeah that's right. But there's another name, and I always forget it. Uh, but uh, what, what we're not going to do, uh, what, what, we, what we are going to do, is we're going to be on the lookout for cases of government discrimination when it seems like the reason for the law is to, to target a to faith. target to target a faith for for disadvantage. Uh, but so long as that hasn't happened, um, we are going to basically say the law is okay, and you don't get an exemption. Yeah, I have to say this: the Employment Division versus Smith case did not sit well with me as hmm. a law student. Hmm. Um, and the Hobby Lobby case does not sit well with me now, and a lot of people see an inconsistency there. And I hope we can maybe we can explore that a little okay. bit later. But and,
1: and it's um, interesting because I do recall uh, Employment Division against Smith was a late 1980s, and I was a law student, and after uh, shortly after that, and we and it was covered in the in the uh, First Amendment course that I took, and uh, and I thought it made a world of sense at the time. That that and, right. and I and part of me, a lot of me, still does. Here is my problem, though. That I thought that, uh, that in the in the sense that the granting of exemptions just threatens to unravel so much of, um, of a basic civil society.
0: If if right. you start, and, and that's the argument made in the case itself. What constitutional commands that empower the court to use a little bit of scrutiny, not necessarily this strict scrutiny, but a little bit of scrutiny? What that accomplishes is it kind of breaks through the majoritarian stranglehold on society sometimes. Yes. And so I thought that at least some modicum of scrutiny would empower courts to find situations, not only where the legislature blatantly went after a group to kind of shut it down in a way which is unconstitutional. Yeah. uh, Clearly unconstitutional. But also situations in which the majoritarian was blind because it was so wedded to its own majoritarian religious you know, needs, and, you know, we'll make exceptions on Sunday alcohol for communion, and we do all these kinds of things, because everybody knows, you know, we, we have to be able to, we need to make accommodations for religious right. practice, uh, but no no accommodations, maybe because we didn't even think about it, right? but if we did, if we were aware of it, we weren't moved to make accommodations for minority religions, or, you know, what people may say are weird religions, right? Yeah, uh, and,
1: and I think there's, I think there's... Uh, it is perfectly consistent with Smith employment division against Smith to say that the inquiry into a law targeting can include a layer of, and it sort of sounds in equal protection in a way, a a layer of, you know, unconscious targeting or mindless targeting, or you'd have to come up with some label for it. Yeah. This idea that, um, you can afford insufficient respect to minority communities' religious faith traditions, right? That you ca- you get concerned about the failure to accommodate, right? Uh, that that can rise to the level of targeting, something you're prepared to call targeting. Yeah, but it's um, not. T- so I think you can weave those together. But I think the the insight of Smith that the Smith case that um, that there really needs to be. Also, a great deal of attention paid to the, the, you know, the battery acid-like effect of starting to hand out free passes and accommodations. That that needs to be on the table at all times as well. Yeah, I, it's it's just because the- it's just too easy <clears throat> in a in a in a context where courts are appropriately reticent about examining the. Sincerity of the, of the faith based claim. Yeah. And the doctrinal propriety of that claim. Why are they appropriately hesitant about it? Because there's also an establishment clause. So that you don't want to get these things on a, on a collision course slash suicide pact, right? Where the whole thing just explodes in a, in a yeah, just storm of illogic, right?
0: Yeah, I, I, I agree, and there, there are. And you know, we, I can't, as, I can't violate we'll talk the about, establishment
1: clause in an yeah. effort to
0: enforce the free no, exercise. We'll in Hobby Lobby, I mean, there are all kinds of practical and theoretical problems that arise once you start to go down this road. Yeah, and I think all those problems are just, you know, manifest in Hobby Lobby. Totally. uh but the theory of Smith does seem to turn the court's role on its head in a way, right? Because. Religion will be accommodated in all those cases in which the majority is powerful enough, or, or where the religion is powerful enough within the within the majority to be accommodated. So don't worry, Catholic Church. You don't have to worry. It, it's you know it, it, all, you know uh, well maybe some places they do, but you know a lot ma- mainline religions don't have to worry, and even religions which aren't mainline. I think Judaism will be accommodated in communities sure. even where it's not strong because right. there either there's a certain kind of. Similarity, you know, they're part of the kind of the community of normal faiths, right. or they're able to log roll, uh, um, you know, their issues with other issues. Yeah. They can form coalitions. I mean, you they're, know, they're it's not discrete, or minorities.
1: Re- religious re- accommodations for religious practices is is <laughs> of 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 interests that get a fair hearing in the legislative process. It's probably the leader accommodating even minority religious practices. Gets better service in the legislative arena than virtually any other
0: minority interest, if if history is any guide. Yeah, but I I think that, um, maybe to use a math phrase, partly because I've already had one of these drinks, what gets protected in the legislative process is the majority religion plus epsilon, right? Some some group right. some some distance some fixed distance from the majority yeah. of religion you get swept in and accommodated if you are part of the community of quote unquote normal religions well right weird but, religions don't get accommodated
1: well but we
0: and I, and you know as we'll say we can get into it later yeah we can all quibble, religions, but we all, can quibble all religions about look, the, all religions look weird for people who aren't in them
1: and we can quibble about how big epsilon is or it needs to be to catch most of what we need to catch given the fact that being accommodating at the at the constitutional level in a way that would suggest Smith should be analyzed differently has its own costs.
0: Yeah, I, I and that I agree with. I just I, I don't want to gainsay. I, I don't. I don't. I don't want to make it seem. You know, I'm the one who started by saying that um, law is not that hard, right? Yeah. And 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 now I'm making the argument that each of these steps has a layer of kind of difficulty to it that yes. is is not apparent. But I want to make sure people understand where the difficulty. I think you know, or I want to. At least tell people where I think the difficulty is. Yeah, because the superstructure of this, the actual questions the court is asked to answer, are not very complicated. It's not hard to see what's going on in this case. What's hard is actually coming out with answers that kind of work, you know, that fit together. Yeah. And so let's let me continue this narrative. So we we're up to um, Employment Division versus Smith, where the court says, you know what, that old way of giving handing out religious exemptions using strict scrutiny, wherever any time anyone's religion was impeded by a law. Yeah. Uh, that doesn't work, and that's not the way we're going to do it anymore. Rational basis. Well, Congress, you know, never uh, uh, never afraid to take up the mantle of protecting religious practice in America, uh, passes by wide margins the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, right. which expressly attempts to um, uh, reinstitute the pre-Smith jurisprudence. Yes. Right? Uh, by saying uh, that anytime there is a... Uh, Uh, An exercise of religion, very broadly defined, Uh, that is substantially interfered with by a law. Yeah. That law can only be upheld if there is a compelling governmental interest served by that law, and the law is narrowly tailored to serve that purpose. In other words, completely... Strict scrutiny. Right. And there's certain kind of jurisdictional hooks that go in there. Supreme Court has a case striking down that law as it applies to states, Yes. On 14th Amendment grounds. State governments, which, right. which we won't necessarily go into.
1: And Congress responds yet again with a by the way, this is evidence of what I was saying before. That, and, and may contradict what you said before about the, you know, it's, it's majority religions plus epsilon. Because the, the way these statutes are, stra- are framed, RIFRA and the follow-up Relupa, R-L-U-I-P-A, um. The Religious to try Land to re- Use and Institutionalized Persons Act. Yes, to try to reapply RIFRA to the states, at least as to some issues. The, they are framed in very broad terms. Right. Which, uh, and extremely aggressively protective in those very broad terms before construction by a court with half a brain, unlike the majority. In, oh, I mean,
0: I mean, we're trying to get these people on her show, Joe. Uh,
1: um, <laughs> shows that they the court is not just trying uh. to protect one particular faith tradition or one particular practice, or it's it's framed in because, a very yeah, open armed fashion
0: I I because they can't do that they can't do what they can't say our lupa for Christians well of course or, that's right, my they, point they can't you, do that right so an effort to protect but the why why is there such popular support for Rifra in our loop. Uh, Why you know, these- we have
1: a uh, one of our colleagues has actually been exploring this and some mm-hmm. stuff he's been doing. I know, and it
0: is an interesting question. We're going to get him on the show. But eventually. I think
1: it is unmistakably the fact. I mean, it's just if you look at the if you look at what legislatures, both state and federal, have done in the wake of re- of disputes about accommodating religious communities, it is unmistakably clear that.
0: Accommodation is a very popular legislative technique. Yes, and and I think that is because it because it expresses support for religion in general, and so constituents, the the signal to constituents is I favor religion and, over irreligion, and people are yes, and correct people, over irreligion, and people are receptive to that again because of the threat they perceive to religion but uh, right, whatever the motivation you is you don't have to like right, so we, we can we can we, let's put a pin on that one Joe. what it means is that legislators
1: <laughs> are not unlike yeah uh some of the civil liberties protections uh or equality principles or other things where you might think legisl- majoritarian institutions like a legislature might actually hesitate to accommodate or protect a group religion doesn't seem that way Instead, it seems like it's aggressively protected
0: by the political branches. Yeah, I I, and that might we'll get to this. I think that's partly because they think because it's not about minority religions when they pass these things, and secondly, they figure that courts will filter out the weird ones.
2: But but look, that may be true. That may actually be true.
0: Let's uh, um, so Rifra is struck down with respect to the states. It still applies. To the, the actions of the federal government. Of course. Meaning any time an agency does something, it has to comply with RIFRA. Right. Now, it's just a statute. It's not the Constitution. No. Okay. So what that means is any law in the future that cons- that Congress passes can say, and by the way, RIFRA shall not apply to this law. Of course. And it will be the later passed statute. The controls so on that issue. Right. Whether that whether the newly passed statute violates some religious exercise right will depend only on the Constitution and not on RIFRA. Meaning that yeah, if the Colin, employment division versus Smith case applies, yes, and so just rational basis, we won't apply this strict scrutiny, thing.
1: except in the case where you where the tar- where the statute appears to be targeted at. Of that course, pit. yeah, exactly. Which exactly. is
0: what Smith says, exactly. So that's 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 exactly right. And uh, now this is where I think I have my first, maybe not my first, but a big problem with RIFRA. Um, it is this submarine super statute. It's a terrible statute. Congress has passed a law that says (laughs) all future laws will be interpreted to be in accordance with this statute
1: right that, and, that that principle by itself doesn't bother me the uh, dictionary act does that for example and i don't think it's problematic to say or the apa right the Amer- the administrative procedure act a future agency that yes. we create will be a,
0: run in this particular way so that's su- another stoop that's another kind of super statute right, right. It, and it's not that they formally have any higher status than any other statute right. because the later passed statute always is supreme and can carve out whatever it wants to absolutely. carve absolutely it's just that when a statute is not explicit that it means to uh, um Place right. the language from a prior statute. And when we the usu-
1: prior statute is so sweeping, we usually the practical tra- effect of that is exactly. it gets dictated by this prior thing. Which is when I say riffer is an awful statute, what I mean is it's written in, in terms that are so broad that it can't possibly mean what it says. And by the way, it wasn't the only statute like that that the court looked at this term. Another really interesting case was the Bond case. This was a case, in the United yeah. States Against Bond, a prosecution under a a, a weapons uh, a chemical weapons statute, right? Um, and this is this is the when it yeah. Do and what the court you? quite correctly said in that context that this chemical weapons statute, although it appears on its face as if it were worded broadly enough to cover the activity of this person who was trying to harm um, a, a person with whom her husband had had an affair uh, by using
0: some household chemicals putting them on doorknob this sort of thing. It turns and out like all yeah, it's a little bit more complicated. But she was employed by a pla- you know, it, go ahead. Point taken. It was a jilted lover kind of case and she was trying
1: to harm a person right. using chemicals that were um, that may have been very harmful and caustic right. chemicals, but they she was not anthrax in congress. No. But but Unlike Unlike some other people in the not-too-distant past. But unlike Saddam
0: Hussein, she did have chemical weapons. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, who's doing what to the show now? I (laughs) know. This this will be be our last episode.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, (coughs) My point is, the court, in reviewing that and throwing out that conviction, throwing out the prosecution, basically saying that isn't what this statute means, even though... It looks on its face yeah. as if that's what it meant. Yeah. It can't possibly mean that. Why? Because Congress isn't trying to address, under the auspices of implementing this very important international treaty about chemical weapons, which is a deadly serious issue. Yeah. <clears throat> um, the Congress wasn't trying to write a statute that dealt with painting some caustic materials on your husband's
0: paramour's doorknob. Yeah, we're going to have a whole Bond show, you know. Because my, yeah. my Supreme Court group with nice. the students, we talk about every every time bond has come up, decision day, argument day, we've talked about it, and it's, and it's been back to the court. This is the second yeah. time it's back to the court. Time. So the, yeah, this is Here, big but here's, the the yes. here's the connection. Here's the connection to Hobby law
1: Rifra, like arguably the chemical weapons statute, is written in such sweeping terms that if you apply it without any cognizance of its purpose. And without any um, sensitivity to the risks of overbroad reading of the statute that cuts it loose from those moorings in its purpose, right you will go badly awry. Now the court avoided that problem in bond. It successfully I, yeah. kept itself tethered to the purposes of the statute, I would argue, and explained quite well, I thought,
0: how it was doing that. And yeah, I, I, it, my problem with it, it, I agree. Oh, go. You know, you're irritated. Go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt. I was just making a point
1: to compare yeah. it to Hobby Lobby because yes, I sir. think a similar thing is at work, a similar problem or risk is at work. Right. And in Hobby Lobby, my contention would be the majority did not do what the court did in the bond case, it didn't stay tethered to purpose. It didn't seem to be cognizant of the risk of overbreadth in its construction of the statute and therefore didn't see the way in which it could go badly awry. Instead, uh, what it did was, speaking of the beverages we're having, it was acting like the worst drunk at a party, flailing around like a nut, Hmm. managing to hit and
0: knock over everything in the room. (laughs) I really, I want to have Samuel Alito on this show, Chuck. <laughs> I really do for reasons I, 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 really, really do. I think he's super interesting, but, uh, we'll talk about this in a second. Alito was the author of, of this opinion, Justice Alito was, uh, indeed. And, and also of the, um, uh, also wrote an interesting concurrence in the, um, abortion, um, protester speech case, no. the buffer zone case, but, uh, to get back to how this, Um, Rifra plugs into this case, because we haven't quite closed the loop on that, and I think that would help to expound on what you say and maybe to push back against it a little bit. Okay, great. Um, So Rifra is this, and as you say, there are other statutes like this, but this kind of submarine statute, which sets out a standard that will apply to all future statutes and is expressly addressed to the implementation of all future statutes. Yes. All future... Federal statutes. All future federal statutes shall be interpreted in this following way. Yep. Right. Um, unless they say we, you know, explicitly, you know, I guess we want to be exempted. Although I, you could read it other, ah, I don't even want to get into that. Okay. So, um, so this statute says something to the effect of, I don't have the language right in front of me that, you know, the, these qualifying employer plans shall include, um, uh, uh, preventive care for women, right? Specifically mentions that. This is what I mentioned at the top of the show, right? Earlier on in the show. Yeah. And, uh, the agency... Which agency? HHS, right? Yep. Um, after I think going, so. Yeah, it is. It is After going through, as you say, an expert process. There yeah, were, with there the was, Institute of Medicine. Right. It's part of the National um, Institute of Health, I think. To try to determine what those services would be yep. based on health criteria. Yeah. And determine that contraceptive coverage was integral to the kinds of services that the statute had in mind. Right. Uh, Given that
1: most adult women are sexually active to one degree or another, and that reproductive health is part of that, therefore, part of their life, and then what they're trying to manage in the preventive right. health context. So the very interesting
0: question is... We're crying out loud. Does that, uh, does that implementation of the Obamacare statute uh, violate RIFRA? Now, there's nothing wrong with the Obamacare statute violating RIFRA. It can, if it does so explicitly. So if it had said notwithstanding <laughs> RIFRA right the agency shall implement the following blah 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 there'd blah, be blah, blah. no case there'd be no case
1: what there would be potentially would be a free exercise case it would have been analyzed under employment division against smith and it would and clearly it almost lose. certainly would not have succeeded as a claim absolutely uh because unless- the incidental effect of this law of general applicability were, with no indication that there was an effort to target a particular religious practice
0: um, Right. smith says Plaintiff loses in that context. absolutely, yeah. There, there would be no case, and and here, um, uh, but in this case, the, the the statute did not carve that right. out, right? Um, and, the sta- and of course, you
1: can ask questions about well, but yeah. So that's if the- it had,
0: would Congress have voted for it?
1: Who knows? Uh, but it didn't say that, and therefore, you've got this clash of right. statutes. We have to
0: synthesize and but harmonize nor did what the, they call for, and nor did the statute say specifically contraceptive coverage. Because if it had That's said true. that you could also say even though it didn't even though it didn't say explicitly Rifra you would have a more complicated statutory interpretation question maybe. right because maybe Because I mean, Congress's it intention was to provide me. this what Congress's intention was to provide this now there is another piece of legislative data here Congress considered and rejected as was mentioned in the Hobby Lobby opinion by Justice Ginsburg a carve out right for religious objection mm-hmm. um and I, I boy I, I I hesitate now because I don't remember all the details of what was in that particular amendment. Um, uh, So all that together, had had it said instead of preventive services, had it said contraceptives, I think this would be a really, we'd be having a different conversation about this.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. It's possible. I don't know how different it would be, but
0: yeah, it could be different. Because the question would be. Did they mean? Did they mean to you know it'd be kind of a conflict preemption kind of thing, right? Did, implicit repeal, but implicit. Yeah, is it an implicit repeal? Yeah, that'd you know, be. Uh, You're not talking if, about the relationship between a federal and state statute. Yeah, You're talking about two federal. I, I'm statutes. just trying to think of the most sympathetic case. Like, is it even possible to imagine Justice Alito writing an opinion saying Riffer applies when there's a key, clear conflict between what Congress said and a rejection of an amendment? which would have provided for a RIFRA exemption. It's impossible to imagine, right? Maybe, yeah. You see, you see what I'm saying? It'd be a nettle. But, but that's not the world that we're in. We're in no. a world where Congress used more general language about the type of coverage, and right. the agency interpreted that to mean contraceptive right. coverage.
1: Right, interpreted it pursuant to a delegation to the agency to, to use its resources of marshalling expertise and... That's right. Regulating the industry, et cetera. So, it's, uh, so I think you also need to put... If you're going to put that in the pot, you need to put in the pot the fact that Congress could have thought the more prudent thing to do in this instance is to get an expert agency to deploy its expertise rather than us starting to list
0: things In that should be in insurance policies. Okay, now listeners, are you with us here? Because if you're not a law student who's been through all this or a lawyer who has done some administrative stuff. I mean, there's, there are a lot of hoops to jump through to get to this point, right? Back yeah. from the old free exercise regime to the rejection of strict scrutiny in Smith to Congress's passing the Religious Freedom Restoration Act to return us to a regime of religious exemptions. Yes. Uh, to part of that being struck down for states in a way that we actually could talk about but we're not going to because it would complicate it more, but I think it, it's actually relevant. So, But the rifra stays in place for the feds, right? we get the Obamacare statute calling for preventative care for, is it preventative or preventive? I don't know. My apologies, listeners. This is not up to the usual standards, but uh, uh, putting in place now uh, um, uh, a command that the HHS, the health and human services um, set standards for, Insurance coverage provided by employers, which includes this kind of preventive care for women, and they interpret that to require contraceptive coverage. And now there's a claim that RIFRA uh, um, prevents the application of that to businesses, um, uh, at least closely held businesses. Right. Closely uh, held corporations. Meaning separately incorporated, not
1: just a sole proprietorship or other form of business,
0: many different forms of business. So this is like you and me, Joe, we decide to incorporate oral argument, the podcast, um, because we don't want to expose our personal assets, to, um, to 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 uh, creditors, you know, if we want to borrow on behalf of the business, we want right. to create a new entity to do that. Right. The state provides the ability to do that in order to encourage people to form businesses. Right? right?
2: You want to. And encourage- by the way,
1: we don't just lock. Importantly, I think we don't just lock the assets. Uh, we don't just lock our private assets away from creditors of the business. We lock the business's assets away from ourselves. Right. So locking in assets that different participants who form the venture contribute to the venture is actually, I think, equal. And there's plenty of scholarship. It's not an idea new to me. It's, it's very you, you dominant can claim scholarship. It. You can claim it. Asset lock-in. Mm-hmm. You're trying to lock in the contributions of the co-venturers as much as you are trying to shield the co-venturers' assets from creditors in the event the corporation fails. Yeah. So there's really important work being done by the corporate form to create a separate legal person and isolate it from its creators.
0: To encourage people to form businesses.
1: Oh, yeah. And in, yeah. it incents all sorts of risk-taking and, and capital risk capital formation and the kinds of things. that yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Right. And, we, and that's what we want, right? So Absolutely. If, if, if forming a business meant that you Hugely put your entire your, your entire set of assets and your family at risk, fewer people would do it. Right. right. So we encourage people to do this. So uh, uh, And if I had
1: to worry that you as my co-venturer would try to withdraw things we contributed to the business... Shortly after it got going, either because you changed your mind or because you were opportunistically trying to get me to do more, right I, that would also deter me so it, there's uh, there's a risk on the creditor side and there's a risk on the co-venturer side and they're both significant. And so the- creating this separate legal thing that is that and, and where separateness really has to mean something right is significant to corporate law. by the way, that's been eroded
0: by this decision and so yes and, and so you and i we we want to incorporate for all of these reasons oral argument, because uh we don't want to be responsible personally for all the damage we're doing to society for this podcast
2: <laughs> uh
0: and open ourselves to lawsuits right. um but now we come under because we have five thousand employees, we're fifty one yes uh and in particular five thousand employees. Uh, we're subject to Obamacare's mandate to provide health insurance to our employees or pay a certain penalty or fee, and we decide we want to provide insurance coverage, and uh, uh, and so um, uh, but we don't want to include contraceptive care, and there, and now there
1: is we're a saying, penalty yeah. for failing. There's a penalty for if you have more than fifty employees. There is a fi- a, a penalty for failing to provide health insurance coverage uh, to your employees. Um, especially if any of them apply uh, for health insurance coverage under one of the exchanges. Now, hmm. to bring it to somewhat closer to reality... But we, you can decide not to provide it and pay that. Yeah. And one of the arguments in the Hobby Lobby case yes. was that f- f- deciding because- not to have health insurance coverage for your employees and paying the penalty is less expensive than providing insurance to your employees. Yeah. Now, because of when that question was raised in the case there was not a good factual record on whether or not that was true in this case. Yes. Uh, but it's something you'd have to contend with if you seriously wanted to get this thing chased fully to ground. Would it, uh, the, Is it really true that it would be more expensive to deny them insurance?
0: Yeah, and, and, and that goes, gets to the question that of goes, burden. That gets to the question of burden, right. uh, which is we have to get into the elements of making a good religious freedom restoration act claim. Uh, and, Uh, But if you you and I, again, you know, to bring it, again, more realistically uh, to home, um, that didn't make any sense. But you know what I mean? Yes. Uh, Oral argument wants to hire a uh, barista. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Right? We do, right? Use one right now. Yeah, Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, But we don't want to pay for a health care package that includes the aforementioned gay conversion therapy, do we? Are you and I agreed on that? Right. We're hammering out details of our personal right. arrangement right now. Is that yes.
2: right?
0: Um, supposing that HHS had included that in their mandate. Right. Uh, we would want to raise a <laughs> some kind of claim, right? We would latch on to any, any damn thing we could. Don't you think, Joe? I guess. And you know what? I mean,
1: well... To make it on all fours with Hobby Lobby, we would need to be members of the same family, which we're not.
0: Oh, right. You feel like family though, Jeff.
1: I feel like family, but to really make the hypo work, you're need you're gonna need to divorce your wife. We're gonna need to get gay married. Mm. so that we can be in a closely held corporation owned by a family. I think you're with thinking a... very closely held. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> with a religious scruple. Um, and it needs to be based in our, you know, our religious faith. Zen curious Unitarian Universalists. Mm-hmm. I think that's a fair description. <laughs> and um and, <laughs> and Well, it's fair to me. Could, could... It describes me, so okay. we'll go with that. Okay, um, all right. And uh, yeah, so that's the hypo.
0: Yeesh. Hmm. Darcy gets to come along, though, right? Yeah, oh, absolutely. <laughs> Jane, uh, truth, Meredith would be fine with this, I think. <laughs> but, <laughs> I don't. I don't think this would be a real problem around hilarious. here. Hilarious. Uh, so, so that, that that would be the. You know, we would we would feel very strongly about not. uh we about ensuring as, that this harm doesn't occur. We right? We would, as individual people, right?
1: I, I want to say what I would actually feel. Okay, please never, do. you
0: haven't let me do that yet.
1: Uh, what I would actually feel in this hypothetical... Let me,
0: let me try to tell the listeners how you would feel about this, Joe. No.
1: How <laughs> <laughs> I would feel is this. I would personally find that requirement incredibly offensive and obnoxious. And, uh, and I wouldn't want our company to be required to provide it. Okay, And it might, going in with my eyes open, it would be a serious thing to talk about in deciding whether or not to incorporate. If I thought that by not incorporating, we could better
0: avoid being under that mandate. Because you believe strongly that complying with that mandate makes us at least somewhat morally culpable for the harms that our employees would be would cause if they actually use that coverage? Yeah, there's a
1: causal story, and we're part of it. Okay. And this is the, so you're, you, you're and in the and law deals with, with these here. causation questions. You agree with Alito then? In in that respect, yeah. At a human level, yeah. Um, I agree that there's a causal story, and that we're part of it. And I think law struggles constantly with what to do with the fact that causal chains can be a lot longer and a lot more complex than anyone
0: expected yeah and, and and here's the thing that in America, uh, not even an employer can control how an employee spends his or her money, right, and nor can the employer completely control <laughs> how an employee uses his or her business uh, his or her uh, insurance coverage right right and 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 although you may feel morally culpable if you pay your employee and see him or her walk out the door and go to buy drugs or something like that right i mean there's you right. don't have the right to control. No, how those things are spent so there's it's a very complicated kind of causal it is because we're both paying for it
1: i'm make i'm probably right. in conventional terms as i understand it and this could be wrong and i hope a listener will correct us but i think in conventional terms there's an employer contribution to the cost of the health care coverage and an employee contribution yeah. to the health cost of the health care to, ma-
0: to make this clear um uh, there's a there's a little wrinkle in this case because the government claimed and the court accepted and i don't I didn't read through all the briefs to know what all of the different claims are, nor do I have a the healthcare economics background to know whether you know exactly when this is the case and when it obtains. But the claim is that uh, providing contraceptive coverage actually reduces the expected healthcare expenses of, and, and so therefore
1: actuarially that may be true. Right, and so the government claimed uh, it was true.
0: Therefore, a package which includes contraception is actually cheaper than one which excludes it. Right, because if you provide uh, a healthcare package that provides free or, or cheap contraception to people, right, uh, your pool of insureds will have fewer pregnancies, which are very expensive, right. Um, and but comp- for,
1: so, for example, though that ar- what's odd, what what might be odd about that argument is that you presumably you wouldn't want to be in the position to argue, well, look, uh, what what these health insurance uh, plans should offer is. Um, injections of cholesterol and bales of heroin um, because people who <laughs> are filled with bad cholesterol and regularly losing heroin die really young yeah. and of course have therefore less health expenses right uh, so there, it, it takes on a jonathan swift well, well, that, you know, let the, them
0: eat the babies problem that's the argument the cig- cigarette manufacturers used in then memo at some point you remember that? yeah i know yeah. i i recall uh, but it. i was just thinking of an impact yeah so yeah. No, but I mean, this is, the, but the claim is that, uh, that the employer contribution, if you think of it, well, are the employers responsible because they're paying for contraception? One of the arguments I think of the government was, no, they're not actually paying anything. They're actually saving money because it's in the bundle, <laughs> right. uh, to which the court kind of does a little jujitsu move and says, well, in that case, the employers shouldn't have to provide it at all. Uh, the government can simply require the insurance companies to provide the coverage, and, and it they it can do it. It'll save money. Right. So that's a wrinkle in the case that I kind of you know I want to you know I think it's let's impor- put a pin in that one, Joe. Yeah, um, I think it's important given yeah. that we don't have unlimited time. We have an unlimited we we are, I've got hours tonight to record this, Joe. Which is totally literally awesome. hours. Totally awesome. Although I think it will be a
1: different product when you are the only one speaking for hours at a time. However. I do want to, mm. fe- like, we're barely scratching the surface here. Well, we're ra- getting into it.
0: We, it's layers. It's layers. And we're almost to the center it's of it. It's an onion, head. and I'm crying as we peel it. Okay. <laughs> um. So where are we next? So we've gotten to the point where our corporation has bought this, you know, we, we're, we're, we're worried about buying this insurance, right? Yeah. But, but the fact is that we want to raise a RIFRA claim. Okay. Okay? And to make out that claim, we have to show... That the requirement that we buy this insurance substantially interferes, this is just to make out the old pre-peyote case jurisprudence, really, that that it substantially interferes with our religious exercise.
2: Right? And that and, there's
1: and, no more narrowly tailored way for the government to meet its compelling interest by
0: and, by so interfering. That's right. And here's where we're going to run into all the, I think, interesting, really practical problems with this legal test, which I think is what the center that you're wanting to get to. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, uh, the claim is here they have a, so, I think, and, one, and that's one,
1: what the statute creates as the claim.
0: That's right. So, and we're and we're going to step
1: over the fact that it's a corporate entity bringing the claim instead of individual. flesh I think and that's blood a whole beings. show about corporate personhood. I mean, I it, think it, it is, but it's an it is not a trivial issue in this case. Not at all a trivial because it's issue one of the many off ramps that the court could have and should have taken yeah. to avoid confronting this very deep question that we're now about to get to about the substantial burden, the narrow tailoring, yeah. and the compelling. Interest. And I want to
0: emphasize that you can actually download this case and Justice Alito. Writes on basically two pages about he has a kind of a, um, a a summary up front a summary well it's it no it's 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 later in the opinion I forget which pages they're on it's like fifteen to sixteen or something like that where he where he makes the argument that corporations are people my friend he, yeah. he makes that kind of Romney absolutely argument, oh no, right um, in, right in a very direct way and it, yes. you know where he's clearly writing against this kind of pushback that the court has gotten from Citizens United yeah and it's it's a totally accessible argument people should read it they should it's not a he it's it's it's, it's, it's a it's, a, it's When people say the opinion's not well-written, I think they're wrong. I think it's a well-written argument supporting that position. It is well-written. I don't think it's particularly
1: well-reasoned.
0: Because I think it leaves out a huge amount about the value in
1: separating people from the corporate right. form, and the reasons why that's done, and the importance of maintaining those separations. But yes. it, it, ha- it shows no sensitivity to that at all. But if
0: you want to get in on this argument, you need to read those two pages. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. that's the terrain okay. on which it's being argued. So, Joe, let's put a pen in that one. And let's get on to the interesting stuff you want to talk about before you leave. So I'm not talking to myself. Okay. Uh, I'll do it, though. I'll talk to myself I not be. I, the listeners will tune out.
1: I love that Without planning to, I've become an acupuncturist. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what? Because
0: <laughs> it's so full of pins at this point. Uh, I remember or are the, those needles? Seems like this show used to be a serious show about law and like, ideas.
1: <laughs> We're getting there. You remember those days? I do, fondly. I, seems like although, through, this, through this whiny haze. We, by wine I mean, whiny, I mean wine. We film. did
0: start with Duck Dynasty, though. Wow, right. oh, you know
1: those those were the days. Those
0: were those were our salad days, as they say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Talk about the gays. So, <laughs> that was all about the gays. It was, wasn't it? Yeah, big theme. My people. Big theme of the show. I, I yeah, I, right. I'm right on. But we're going to skip past the corporate personhood and just get right into the um, compelling, the um, substantial interference, and then the uh, then the compelling and yeah, narrow uh, tailoring, which is where this thing really runs into a huge kind of argumentative buds you know buzzsaw yeah. of problems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so so first of all, and here's another thing we need to bracket, but we've got to mention it. It's the- <laughs> 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 See, this is this is my strategy to invest in pins. This people. is this is my strategy. I'm gonna mention all the issues in the case <laughs> and bracket every damn one of them.
2: <laughs> oh
1: God. Uh,
0: now this is this is the thing where where they have a sincere belief that they are paying for abortion. Yep. But in fact, it, it, so this is where I want Meredith to weigh in. This is my wife. Right. Uh, who, who knows all this stuff. Um, but as best as I can tell. Uh, so so Hobby Lobby and, is it Conestoga? Con- Conestoga Wood. Conestoga, I think. Conestoga Wood.
1: Yeah. Um, A cabinet maker.
0: Right. Uh, they object to the provision, not of all... Con- uh, um, uh, uh, Contraceptive, forms of birth control. Not, right? not all forms, um, Just, but right, four right. of them. Although I have to say, listeners, um, as of the day after this opinion, there are other cases in which employers objected to all forms of contraception, right. and the court remanded those back, vacated the decisions and remanded them back to the courts below to consider in light of Hobby Lobby. So we don't actually know what's going to happen in cases where employers simply object to the idea of contraception in general without right. regard to abortion. So uh, abortion has nothing to... Yeah. I think we've got a pretty big hint,
1: because today, the day we're recording, yeah. the court also uh, has said that even having to sign a form saying that you don't want to provide these uh, coverages might be too much of an involvement. And they sent those back. Correct.
0: They sent those back. And so,
1: Which I think is an want, indication that they think it's a serious problem to require issue.
0: this. That they think it's an issue. Correct. Right? They think it's an issue enough where they want some more information from the courts below before right. they... Uh, before before they ruled, so and the
1: Hobby Lobby decision itself, which says we're not going to we're not going to uh, analyze closely the sincerity of this belief, yeah. or the scientific validity of this belief, or
0: anything like that. Well, so one other misconception in this case is this case really has it's not an abortion case, uh, because abortion only arises because it is the particular religious belief to which Hobby Lobby and this other the cabinet maker Conesto- Conestoga Wood point. Right, it could have been some other religious belief, but it was the belief against aborting.
1: Look, I got no, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, no, 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 no. yellow f- flag, yellow uh. flag. It's. I agree with you. It's not an abortion case. Yeah. It is a women's reproductive health case. And if you don't think that is a huge part of what's happening here, you're crazy. I, no,
0: you know that I think that's a huge part. So we don't say about this. so. Don't talk about it in uh. a way that would
1: suggest to someone it wasn't. But it's all,
0: oh, Joe we're gonna to get to that because i think if, if you say I, I doubt that as a for-
1: <laughs> <laughs> we we've as a, nowhere
0: as a formal legal matter abortion is only the it's the black box belief that the court is not entitled to look into which provides the uh the which provides the hook on which the claim lies is yes. uh, placed right fair enough I think that it's fair to say that the court's acceptance of Concerns about women's health in particular is what motivates them to find a sincere religious. P- that's all true, right? Yep. That's what we need to get into, right? Women's, I mean, that's, women's that's
1: what. Reproductive health.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's exactly. Well, yeah, especially, right? It's it's the.
1: Because they, say, says,
0: they say, oh, this, it's not like this is about vaccines or blood transfusions, right where the calculus would be totally different. As Atrio says, using the naughtier language, it's all about uh, um, uh, the violation of the rule against. You know, there being no uh, 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 no unapproved sexual activity, right, right. So, uh, but but at least as a formal legal matter, the fact that this is abortion has nothing to do with the case, right? All that matters is that this particular these particular people had a sincerely held religious belief that abortion is wrong. They also had a factual belief that these four methods of birth control, at least in some instances, caused abortion. Yes. Now, as a factual matter, that is not at all clear. It's probably the case that these four methods work by their method of action is preventing fertilization. This is the I, two methods of IUD and two so called morning after pills, right. which probably prevent fertilization of an egg, which doesn't seem to be against. These particular you know, but there may be other people who have religious beliefs against any method which prevent fertilization of an egg, but Fair but these people don't seem to be concerned with that just against preventing implementation, implantation or preventing abortion right um, and, the, the problem is that the science is not entirely clear on that, and the government I think conceded that these methods of birth control might in some cases prevent implantation. They well, didn't seem to want to get into it at the very
1: least. Right. At the very least, they conceded that um, if you want to call something that prevents implantation, much less fertilization, if you want to call that an abortive go ahead. We're not going to win or lose this case on that ground. Right. So, assume for purposes of argument, contrary to mainstream scientific understanding, that pregnancy includes implantation. Not just
0: fertilization, right no, but it's not, it's even beyond that because it's not clear that these four methods work by preventing implantation. I understand that I understand right. the scientific point you're yeah trying yeah to make, it, right yeah
1: but but the government said as you as you just indicated, yeah. put aside all those uncertainties, yeah, and assume for purposes of argumentation that hobby Lobby's claim that these four things are abortion causing instrumentalities. Right, is correct, okay, contrary to many people's understanding of the facts,
0: right, just assume it, yes, let's assume that it's not at all clear, but let's assume that yeah and and again, in another case, someone may just say, "This prevents people who have sex from conceiving a child, and that's against my religion, correct, right, and we'd be in the same place, so let's yeah, just
1: because the the court doesn't give us any analytical tools for digging into that assertion at all, right. In fact, it says don't dig into it. Well, you can't dig into like the... Weather- this is the establishment versus pre-exercise exactly. clause problem we were talking about before. You if I start to evaluate the the, 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 the belief,
0: uh, you could accuse me of violating the establishment And clause. by evaluate, you mean say, well, is it more important to have a belief that says no contraception at all or no abortion? And and, and the Constitution... Or, or do
1: you really believe that? And is that really well, part of your religion? And is, and you, uh, no, you know?
0: no. You can inquire. Let's be clear. You can inquire into sincerity. Courts are empowered to and in fact it must inquire into whether the belief is sincerely held, but so, not
1: whether it's a, the belief of a, of a religious
0: group Well they are, so it's awfully hard to tease those apart as a practical matter if you actually think of what actually happens in a court <laughs> taking evidence, figuring out I mean there's an interesting case of a fortune teller uh, in the Fourth Circuit. Uh, where they are trying to determine whether the fortune teller is acting according to a religious belief or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it's, you know, it's, it's really... Once you get to the nuts and bolts, it's really hard to figure out whether something is religious exercise. It's a little bit more in the standard kind of judicial wheelhouse to figure out whether someone Sincerally. is honest about mm-hmm. it, right? Yeah, totally. And so, yeah. green light to figure out whether someone sincerely holds this belief. Red light. Red light to decide whether... Uh, whether something really is some part of someone's, you know, or whether this is a an important part of the religion. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Someone says contraception, anti contraception is a very important part of my religion. We can say, do you really believe that? Well, let's look at evidence about what you say to other people and blah blah sure. blah blah blah. Right. Okay. How so, long you've been saying it? Under exactly. what circumstances? Et cetera, et cetera. Okay. So first, substantial burden. That's the first question here. Does the requirement? To provide coverage, which would allow an employee of a corporation to acquire one of these contraceptive uh, devices or methods, substantially burden your exercise of religion that's the first question in this case, and that 's a real problem.
1: well you're looking funny i don't well it's the first question, but it's tied up, as I said before, in my opinion it's tied up with the question whether who, who is the you that we're talking about? Yeah, yeah. Whether it's the, the question individual we human about, yeah. being, the, the individual members of the family that own the corporation, or is it the closely held corporation itself?
0: Yeah. And, and at this point we're assuming because we bracketed the question, because we'll return to it in another episode in a more, hopefully a broader context that we have pierced the corporate veil in this direction, <laughs> right? We've pierced it in the, in the direction of saying, well, if the, if the owners of a closely held corporation have a religious belief, then we will say that the corporation itself has that religious belief. Now, I, I don't agree that's a sound way of proceeding, but the court concludes that, right? Yeah. So assuming that's the case, does the requirement to purchase this insurance substantially burden that relief? And a lot of, I think, court watchers thought, well, maybe the court would find that corporations are indeed people, my friend, but that this does not substantially burden their exercise of religion because they are not actually required to buy the contraceptives. All they're required to do is provide money for a plan. Right. Right that the employees themselves can exercise in any way, shape, or form. And in fact, they save money because their plans cost less if they include contraceptives.
1: And none of those four contraceptives may ever be purchased. And if they are purchased, they may never be used. Right. And if they are used, they may never result in what
0: the claimants believe to be an abortion. And nothing, nothing prevents the company from having, sending out newsletters and telling corporate, and telling their employees, here are the approved forms of sexuality and the approved forms of contraception uh, in our minds, and we hope that you will adhere to these. And finally, nothing
1: other than a penalty, which is a financial matter, may wind up being smaller than paying for health insurance itself. Nothing prevents them from simply not providing health insurance.
0: Yeah, they as say, an employee benefit. Yeah, they they did say that their religious beliefs also require them to provide health yeah, insurance. Yeah, and
1: it's it's interesting. It's an interesting claim because it's a claim that one way to read that claim may be as an effort to trap the government in the violation, and so you have to you have to take that claim with some skepticism, although the skepticism is itself problematic because it pulls you into the Establishment Clause problem. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. Now the, now, this case is a minefield. It is a minefield, and if we get to, I'm let's just go ahead and it. pull back all the layers of the onion, because what the court says is, look, you provide uh, government, HHS, Health and Human Services, you provide accommodations for nonprofit entities, nonprofit religious entities, who say they they cannot provide this, like a you know, Catholic charity or something like that, which is we can't provide any coverage for anything. E- m- even related to abortion, maybe even contraception. You already provide this.
1: Yeah. So So, if they
0: fill out a form and let you know,
1: then you'll be able to put the insurance plan through this separate process where the insurance provider with a third-party administrator creates the possibility for the coverage without a copay. Although it bears pointing out, as the court did not, that that process itself is the subject of litigation, an objection by those nonprofits who do not even want to sign a form. Yeah. Because
0: they say it burdens their RIFRA rights. Well, so the, the, you know, the, the problem here, um, uh, is that the, uh, how to say, um, where, where do we get here? The, the, I lost my train of thought, Joe, I have to cut this out. Okay. Um, the court says even assuming there's a compelling governmental interest, it's not narrowly tailored. It it's not another tailored. accommodation that you've already given to other people. You've given it to other people. You, what's not clear to me, and I've asked, and I don't, I just don't just, know the answer just to this. Do it here. Do you know whether Health and Human Services has the authority to do this for anything other than nonprofits?
1: Without, I don't. I also don't know whether or not it would actually work. Uh, I mean, it may be that one of the many ways, and which we- in which the court was um, quite imprudent and quite uncautious, quite immodest in its holding, uh, was it It could have, even with all this, it could have said, uh, in light of what we've just concluded, we vacate and remand. And in this remand proceeding, what needs to happen is uh, the lower courts need to assess whether or not, in fact... The thing that the government has offered as an accommodation in these other contexts would work equally well here, because if it would work equally well here, it needs to be done here. Of course, if it doesn't work equally well, it isn't the case that the government has provided an accommodation that works equally well. It's a question of fact. Would you be in favor of that kind of remand? I I would have thought that was a better result than the one here. Yeah, my problem is... Which was the equivalent of barreling into a bookcase
0: and knocking over everything. (laughs) To get a little bit more to the heart of it, my problem here is that as much as my problem, at least theoretically in Smith, was with changing the court's um, uh, orientation away from minority protection to basically... Thinking the legislature will take care of these problems, except in cases of clear targeting of religious minorities. Mm-hmm. Here, these accommodations are now being used as cudgels in the culture war. Yes, and that's a totally different use of strict scrutiny. Yes, right. It's like the protection of um of the majority against like perceived elites or protection of shifting majorities against other majorities. It's a it's a really weird. Use it, and, and a misuse, it seems to me, of uh, judicial resources. I mean, yeah. here, you know, you know as so I. So I guess it comes
1: as no surprise that in the middle of doing that, um, they lose sight of, of very basic ideas about judicial craft, of, you know, a, a modest and incremental decision, a, a, a need to remand in light of the need for further fact finding.
0: Uh, something they did in plenty of other cases this term. Well, as I said on Facebook, though, I mean, I think that's I think, I think that's right. I, you know, I, you you know what the majority would say to that, right? All they're doing is interpreting the statute. Like the statute provides for this strict scrutiny framework, right?
1: Yeah, but it doesn't give you the answer to the question: Is this in fact a
0: viable alternative that shows the thing they did wasn't narrowly tailored? Yeah, and so why is it not viable? Why is it not viable? And I, here are the things that the majority says are not because what you might say is well this means that like i can declare myself a jedi and be opposed to like any thing that i want like i you know i don't know i hate the sith and so and so reminds me of the sith and so therefore you know getting a little nerdy there but yeah. uh you get the point right joe i do so is is each person a law unto him or herself we you know see. based on whatever religion they invent right uh yeah, yeah. and and, and if the answer to that is no, it must be that the courts kind of kind of pick and choose what real religions are and what weird religions are and non-religions are. Are we really going to get into that business? And all the court does to tell us this, and this is my problem with this case and a lot of people's problem. So why is this case in and say anti-vaxxers are out? Like I've got a religion against vaccination. And the court says, well, with vaccinations, there's a compelling governmental interest in people getting infected by diseases and requiring people to be vaccinated will be narrowly tailored, and therefore, yes, even if there's a substantial burden, the government can do it, because under RIFRA, there's a compelling interest and narrow tailoring. Whereas here, there's only, and they put this in quotes, and I think this is what maybe sticks in the craw of a lot of people. The only interests asserted here are vague interests in, quote-unquote, gender equality. Right? Yeah. And uh, uh, I think that, you know, it, it it says that there's nothing to that, right? It it it, it that's a, it's it's a portion of the opinion which appears to say that, that that kind of interest in like women's rights in quotes is totally insubstantial. Not at all like quote unquote protecting us from infectious diseases. But that's something that we can all suffer from, right? Um Okay, so I don't know. Maybe there is maybe there is some distinction between an abstract concern about gender equality and a concrete concern about infectious diseases but what is that principle if i'm a suppose i'm a district judge how am i going to decide right whether this religious interest is one that is a real religious interest or is an insubstantial one that can be brushed aside for various interests that yeah. so one other thing that comes up is well, what about um, I don't know, a religion that says, um, I don't know, no no white people, right? Or no Asian people, or you know, pick your racial group that you want to discriminate against. Uh, can they do that? And and this is the one area other than taxes, on which the court tells us no, no accommodations will be granted there. They say there is there is a clearly compelling governmental interest in protecting against private discrimination by race and preventing discrimination by race. Uh, according to race, is narrowly tailored to achieving that objective. So it's almost a tautology, right? right? But there's no principle there that distinguishes that from this case. Right. There's nothing in this case that tells me how concretely to do that task the next time this comes around, other than just using my intuition and saying, ah, mainstream religious beliefs, even if not the majority, but... You know, or maybe they are majority right. beliefs.
1: Mainstream religious beliefs have to be protected, especially when the only thing hanging in the balance is women's reproductive health. Right. That's yeah. That's that's the message. What do you think? I think that's a pretty awful result and pretty shoddy reasoning.
0: It's a pretty awful case,
1: in my opinion. It's pretty bad.
0: Well, this is this is you know, so the a lot of people were saying there's a huge liberal freak out over this case. I'm and, not and freaking out. I, mean, I
1: just think it's a very, very it shows really remarkably bad judicial craft and 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 uh, so many off ramps, so many ways to avoid this clash uh, and confrontation, uh so many uh, reasons not to be dis- dismissive of of women's reproductive health.
0: The substantial interference is an easy off ramp. The um, the cor- the, the for, profit, for profit corporation is a, you know you took advantage of this thing. Yeah, you know, the right. courts do that all the time, all the time, all the time. They make that distinction. So these are pretty easy, as you say, pretty easy off ramps. I yeah. think uh, to avoid this problem. And and, and people say, well, RIFRA is addressed at exactly this kind of problem. Yeah. Well, okay, maybe. But as we <laughs> said at the beginning, it's a statute, which is like, it's like, it's like uh, uh, letting, you know, can I make an analogy, Joe? Oh, please. It's yeah. like starting a speeding unmanned train towards the edge of a cliff. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Because what are you going to do? Right. What are you going mean, uh, to... Let the me say this. The cases write themselves. Let me say this. I'm, I'm uh, moving my arms in the air. As a closing thought.
1: Oh, jeez. Because I'm leaving, because I'm already... I'm leaving. They're going to be fine. Your dogs are fine. My closing point is this. Probably, I think one thing we can all agree. What time is it, Joe? I think one thing we can all agree that's worse than being a real jerk (laughs) is being in a rush to be a real jerk. (laughs) Uh, And the majority is, if nothing, in a rush.
0: (laughs) You know, we want all these people on our show. So I, I actually, so... I, the easy criticism of of, um, uh, of Alito in these cases, uh, this case, the abortion protester case, the, the crush video cases, and uh, the crush video case, and especially the Westboro Baptist Church, the Snyder versus Phelps case, right. uh, is the that his empathy, seems, case. his empathy seems to be extremely selective. Correct. Right? Um, I'm sure he doesn't see it that way. No, who does? I mean,
1: I don't feel like my empathy is selective. I don't feel like you probably don't feel like yours is. Oh, of course not. I'm a man so, of I'm a man of strong principle, <laughs> right? <laughs> and so totally rational. Co- so of course he, of course he doesn't think his empathy is selective.
0: But what is the theory? Like, w- w- what is that's the, one way to test whether. What's or not- the theory that lets you say in the town of Greece, go outside if this bothers you, right? And yet, in this case, say. Um, uh, even oh, we, if, can. even if, we even can't. We can't have you having to do that. Even if it's even if you don't spend any money to do it, right? And interesting. In, interesting and, question. And, and in the Snyder versus Phelps case, saying you know this guy was going to bury his son, he doesn't want to see any protesters and shouldn't have to face any protesters. Right. The but, speech is of zero value. But in the protester case, in the woman in is the abortion walking, protester case, yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: Well, oh, it's just grandmotherly
0: counseling. If on she's the way walking into the... haltingly toward the clinic door, right? And there's a counselor there. Right. It's okay. I mean, Right. So, what is the what's the principle? And I think that's a question that he's going to have to answer eventually. Right? It can, I mm, um, I don't know about that. Well, I I, I think that he's. Um, uh, it's a principle we will. Uh, it's a question we will want him to. We've answer. We've talked about him before, and I I I acknowledge I find him somewhat frustrating in oral argument sometimes. Um, be, Partly because I can't quite figure out what the principle is, but I think eventually it's something. You know, what is the what is the speech and empathy jurisprudence? And maybe he doesn't even want to think of an empathy jurisprudence. But what is what's the core of this kind of speech and value jurisprudence of Justice Alito? And it's I think he's an easy liberal target at this point because it seems so selective. But I think eventually, because there's a hugely you know you know like a really rational side to him. Right? I mean, you can see it in oral argument. These are just intricately crafted hypotheticals, yeah. which oh, are kind sure. of traps, right, that we've talked about in it. Sure. So there's an extremely rational side to him. hmm At some point, we're going to have to figure out, you know, what is it that makes this interest so compelling for him and this other interest not? I think that's something he's going to have to reconcile. You know what I mean? I do. You don't want to comment on that? I, w- I want to have him on the show. That'd be great. We don't have to talk about pending cases. No. Justice Alito. You're welcome anytime. You're welcome anytime on this show. Because, you know, okay, so so we've criticized, right, Joe? We criticize each other a lot, right? We do. And we criticize Justice Alito on this show.
1: Right? Yeah. We criticize each other because we're friends and we care about each other.
0: Yeah, and, and because, you know, we're in, because you're wrong about a lot of things. But Right. It's inevitable. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I say stupid things all the time. I tell my students that all the time. Yeah, I do. Don't I be do afraid too. to say dumb things in class. Because yeah. I say dumb things all the time. Sure. You know, that's a, you're, I, there on lead, show. you're there to lead the way on dumb statements. Exactly. Yeah. You can agree with that. That's something Absolutely. you can I behind. have no problem with that at all. Um uh we are all people, we all do whatever, right? We're never we're not we're not robots. No. We are we don't have a completely rational calculus in our heads of Correct. principles and morals. Yep. What is it that makes him tick? I would really want to know that. I I want you on the show, Justice Alito. Should we okay. leave it there? Yeah. I don't know. What else do you have to say? Nothing. Okay. So this is our first annual Supreme Court roundup. And I think since we've now set the tradition, Joe, at the end of each Supreme Court term, we talk about one case. <laughs> <laughs> and it's probably one of the more recently decided cases. Maybe on the and very last of the, day ones the term. That, and, and that kind of annoyed us. Yeah. Boy, this was an annoying case, wasn't it? Yeah. Really bad. Yeah. Uh, yeah so you know why I'm trying to hang on here? You know why I'm not hitting stop yet? You know how after every episode we talk for like 20 or 30 more minutes? Yeah, that's not happening. And it's I'm a lot leaving. better. You, but you know how it's a lot better?
1: Yeah, but it's but it's not happening tonight cuz I'm leaving. <sighs> See you later guys.